This is Nutshell Politics, a show where we discuss what you need to know about current events, international relations, political conflict, and my favorite topic of discussion, terrorism. The mainstream media isn't always the best at reporting on international events. They often lack depth, context, and understanding, a problem unfortunately driven by ratings. But here, on Nutshell Politics, I seek to fill those gaps, and most importantly, to make sure you know what's actually going on out there. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nutshell Politics. I am your ruggedly handsome host, Justin Kinney, and I'm excited to be here with you guys for a special spotlight episode. Yes, that's right. We are doing another spotlight episode. I know it's been a little while, so I am excited to do this. Uh, now, we're going to be looking at a specific group today. We're going to talk a little bit about who they were, how they arose, uh, what their motivations were, what, what they did, and kind of what happened to them. And this is a, a group that's been defunct now for quite a while, but it's a group that's actually a little bit special to me because without giving away too much, if you have read my most recent mystery novel yet, which came out on Amazon not that long ago, it's called Splintered State. You can find it on Amazon on both paperback and Kindle. This group plays uh, a bit of a role in this in this novel, and so hopefully, as you listen to this, it will spark some interest. If you haven't checked out the book yet, please go do so. Uh, and if you have already, then you may have some questions about this group. So let's go ahead and dive in. Now, the group we're going to be talking about today is a Russian group. It was a 19th century revolutionary organization in the Russian Empire. So this is pre-Soviet Union. It actually started kind of back in the, the group started back in the early, or sorry, the late 1800s, uh, but around 1880. And it's a group called the Narodnaya Volya. Uh, it means the people's will. Uh, that's translated, the people's will. In the 1870s, there was a group called Land and Liberty in Russia. Uh, it was formed, again, it was had this, these anarchist views and, and such. And the group ultimately splits. And one group becomes known as the Narodnaya or People's Will. And so this is comprised of the, the members of Land and Liberty that favored violence for political policy and political purposes. Now, this is a group that was kind of a populist movement at the time, but they are frequently considered to be the first, or if not the first, one of the very first, quote, modern terrorist groups. Now, if you followed this podcast in the past, you know that terrorism has roots that go back millennia, actually, even to, like, say, the ancient Sakari from uh, Judea back in the first century. But in terms of what we think of modern terrorism, this really started with Narodnaya Volya. Now, they were an organization, as I said, late 19th century, popped up around the year 1880, and they were very specifically an anarchist group. Now, this, they were one of the ones that kicked off kind of the first wave of modern terror, which, as you know, or maybe you don't if you haven't listened to the podcast, is an anarchist wave. There were a lot of anarchist groups that cropped up during this time period. And the Narodnaya Volya were probably the, the very first ones or the first major one anyway. Now, also built in with this, they were kind of left-wing, kind of socialist in some of their ideas. But essentially, they were very anarchist and believed that the state needed to be destroyed so that all of the land that the state government elitists owned could be given back to the peasants. Now, they also preached some different ideological components of things like freedom of the, 
of the press, freedom of speech, universal suffrage, kind of a communal self-government of sorts. And interestingly, too, as we'll get to in a minute, uh, they were one of the few groups that actually self-identified as terrorists. During this time period, the word terrorist didn't have the same negative connotation that we think of it today being. It was actually seen at the time as being much more of like an element of uh, heroic martyrdom. And so they actually very willingly took on the title of terrorist. Uh, and they're one of the few to do so because we actually see this kind of somewhat positive connotation die out in the early 1900s. Uh, so this doesn't actually last very long. Very shortly after, especially with the IRA, we see terrorism become very negatively thought of uh, as they start attacking civilians, in particular children. But during this time period, the, the idea of terrorism was not so much about targeting like innocent civilians as it was about targeting uh, government officials in attempts to kind of promote various reforms or whatever they, they wanted to do. And so the Narodnaya Volya were basically a very underground organization of almost semi-autonomous cells that were all under one sort of hierarchy. And the idea here is that they were very much against the czars who were running Russia at the time. So they were trying to spur some sort of mass revolt against the czars. And the idea here is that they were hoping if they could agitate the people or the serfs in uh, the Russian Empire enough, then the serfs would rise up and help take down the state. And so as part of this, they were really targeting peasants, the students, workers, anybody that they saw as being uh, held down by the, this kind of elitist czarist regime that was in place. And if they thought if they could agitate those people just enough to help them overthrow the czars, then they could kind of institute their own sort of non-government system of order. And so they were, they were kind of a, a mix, in a sense, between some political liberation, you know, trying to get some democratic and social reforms in, but also so socialism. Now, they were not pure ideologically in either camp, but they did have kind of elements of both of those. Now, this group was actually quite small. As I said, they're one of the first modern terrorist groups. They didn't have a ton of support, and, and partly this is due to the time period, and technology wasn't around to really uh, stir up recruits, to stir up support materially, and those sorts of things. But they also kind of struggled to gain some support for some of their, shall we say, more extremist ideas, such as like targeted killings of the leaders of oppression. Uh, that's, a, that's a quote from them, the leaders of oppression. And this, and while these ideas did, did eventually kind of spur subsequent violence by other non-state terrorist type groups, they, um, they kind of struggled with this in these, in these early years. Now, they also were, were very much about using some of the, develop, the, the big technologies of the age, which in particular were, or was, I should say, dynamite. Dynamite was, was kind of just coming around at this time period, at least in terms of what, what you could get your hands on. And so they were the first anarchist group to really make widespread use of these type of bombs, where they could strike essentially all of these leaders together in one large explosion. And again, the idea here is if they could put pressure on the government for reform, they would show the peasants that they were strong enough to actually hit the czars, and they could ignite some sort of like massive peasant uprising. 
Now, a lot of these ideas go back to two individuals, and they, they based a lot of their ideology uh, and their philosophy, at least was it, I should say it was inspired by these two individuals. And the first one is a man by the name of Sergei Nechayev, uh, or Nechayev, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, but he was a revolutionary that was very much in what at the time was considered a nihilist movement. And his, his philosophy was essentially the pursuit of revolution through any means necessary, which would include terrorism. And he wrote this, this kind of long manifesto called The Catechism of a Revolutionary. And this, this catechism of a revolutionary is, um, it came, came out during the late 1860s, and it was essentially a manual, kind of a how-to guide for how you put together secret societies and become a revolutionary. And I'm just going to read kind of the opening lines of this so you get an idea of what this uh, catechism was all about. He says, the revolutionary is a doomed man. He has no private interests, no affairs, sentiments, ties, property, nor even a name of his own. His entire being is devoured by one purpose, one thought, one passion, the revolution, heart and soul, not merely by word, but by deed. He has severed every link with the social order and with the entire civilized world, with the laws, good manners, conventions, and morality of that world. He is its merciless enemy and continues to inhabit it with only one purpose, to destroy it. End quote. So that's how the, the Catechism of Revolutionary opens. It's, it was probably the most radical document of its entire time period. And it basically outlines how uh, Necheyev saw see these secret societies and organizations should operate. And this really becomes kind of the backbone of a massive radical movement across Russia. And the Narodnaya used this catechism actually to help form a lot of their ideology. Now, the other individual that they, I should say, are inspired by was a man by the name of Carlo Piscane, or sorry, Pisacane. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. He's actually Italian. Maybe it's Pisacane. Uh, he was the Duke of San Giovanni. He was a, a socialist thinker out of Italy, and he, he was kind of in the early to mid-1800s. And he basically argues that violence can be used for more than just destruction. It, it draws attention, he argues. It generates publicity for your cause. It also is able to educate the people. And ultimately, he argues that you can use violence to rally civilians behind your revolution. And this this is um, a whole philosophy called propaganda of the deed. And it's, it's this idea that certain types of political action can be examples to others out there and start revolution. And so his ideas have been uh, very influential throughout, actually centuries really, influencing various rebel rebel groups and rebel causes around the world, but also terrorists. And so the Narodnaya Volya based a lot of their stuff on, on his ideas as well. And so those two individuals, Nechayev and uh, Pisakane, were probably the two ideological precursors to the Narodnaya Volya. Now, the Volya themselves actually serve as inspiration, as I said, kind of the first modern terrorist group for a lot of other revolutionary anarchist organizations, both in Russia and outside of Russia. Now, this group was, is very small, as I mentioned. They never, probably never topped 500 total members. And even at their peak, they never never had more than probably 30 to 40 who were actively engaged in the, in the violence. They did have a, quite a few of these kind of like supporters around that didn't engage in violence themselves 
but as I said, only about 30 or 40 that did. Now, they, well, while they did struggle a lot, and again, it's, the, it's kind of the first modern one, they didn't have a whole lot to go on, but they are very well known for their one success. And this is the assassination of Tsar Alexander II of Russia in 1881. And essentially what they did is they set a bomb on the road, or I should say they threw a bomb uh, with dynamite as he was driving down the road. It successfully uh, managed to kill him. And this was kind of the, the high water point for the Narodnaya Volya uh, as being influential and important to Russian political systems. Because the bomb that killed Tsar Alexander really scared the government. Uh, now, as we'll see in a minute, that actually ended up hurting the Narodnaya Volya more than it probably helped them. But at least in the moment, it seemed very successful. Now, this wasn't the first time they'd actually tried to assassinate the Tsar. Uh, Tsar Alexander II uh, was actually, actually, he survived, I believe, seven different assassination attempts before they finally got him, including a couple things. Like there was one attempt they tried to blow him up in the dining room and the explosion killed, you know, like, like a dozen people, injured a bunch. But uh, the Tsar had been late for dinner and so, so they missed him. Um, and there's a couple others kind of stories like that. But the, they finally did get him, and this sparked some changes across Russia. And in fact, what happened is the next leader who came around actually saw this as an opportunity to kind of severely crack down on, on the people. And so while the organization was trying to save Russia from, being, from being, becoming an autocracy, really, the assassination, the successful assassination, actually ended up making things worse as Tsar Alexander III, in turn, cracked down with an iron fist. And we'll get to kind of what happened to them in just a minute. Uh, but it did kind of end up backfiring on them despite being successful in killing one of the major leaders of Russia. Now, a couple of quick facts before we get to kind of what happened to the Volia in the course of history. But uh, they're probably, in addition to the assassination, they're probably most well-known for their connection to Vladimir Lenin. Now, a lot of people don't, don't realize this. Uh, Lenin himself was not connected to the group, but he actually had an older brother who was a member of the Narodnaya Volya in its, its later years. And he was actually part of a team that tried to assassinate Tsar Alexander III, but failed. And so Lenin himself has a family tie to the Narodnaya Volya, which I, th I think is really fascinating. Uh, we also know that the Volya in kind of contrast to a lot of other groups that especially came later, is that they had a lot of female members in their organization, including in some of the violence on the assassination teams. Uh, there was a woman by the name of Sofia Perovskaya, uh, who was probably one of the most famous ones. She was actually one of the ones who helped orchestrate the assassination of, of Tsar Alexander II, the successful one. Uh, but she ultimately was was captured and and hung in as punishment for it. She was, was quite young. She was only in her 20s. I believe she was was executed at the age of 27. Uh, but she is probably one of the most famous of the, the female members of the group. And she's actually the first woman in all of Russia to be sentenced to death for, for terrorism. Now, as I mentioned, she's not the only one. There were a couple other females involved as well. There was a woman by the name of uh, Anna Yakimova. Uh, there was Vera Figner uh, and, and several others as well which is quite unusual for terrorist groups, even through to today, in which are overwhelmingly male-dominated. Uh, now, just of a kind of a side note, 
we actually do see women participate in terrorism more than we see them participate in other rebel causes, which is kind of a, a curious side note in terrorism studies, if you do any research in that field. But it is still quite low, and so it's always interesting to find a group that has a much higher percentage of women like the Narod Nayavolya did. Now, as I mentioned, the group ultimately does kind of fall apart, and a, there's a couple of reasons for this. As I mentioned, as I kind of hinted at before, you know, Tsar Alexander III saw what happened to his predecessor and cracked down with an iron fist, turning Russia from, much more into an autocracy uh, governed by the, the powerful than it even was before. So while they were successful in assassinating a leader, they actually probably made things even worse, uh, at least in their eyes, turning it into a much more iron-fisted autocracy. But the other problem they ran into, as I mentioned, one of their early goals was to try to get the people behind them, right, to instigate a, a popular revolt. And if they had managed to do that, it probably wouldn't have mattered if Alexander III had really cracked down. But the people ultimately failed to back them. And a large part of this is that the people, like the civilians, the serfs, the peasants, while they supported the cause, they thought some of the violence was a little bit too far. And in fact, when the czar was killed, there was a steep drop-off in support by people who thought they had, they had crossed the line with that assassination attempt. And so without the people's support, when the government fought back, this group falls apart very, very quickly. And most of these members end up getting arrested, jailed, or exiled. And all of the assassination team members of Tsar Alexander II, the ones who were part of that team, were all executed. I believe they were all hanged. And so while they had some of these ultimate goals to save the people from these oppressive regimes, turn the power back over the people, get rid of government, they were ultimately undone by a handful of things, as I mentioned. They failed to get the people to back them. They actually caused the government to crack down more. There was actually a fair amount of infighting within the group as well. A lot of disagreement about uh, what the terrorism itself was supposed to accomplish. Or, you know, was it supposed to directly take power for themselves? Was it to force the government to grant rights to them? Um, and there was a lot of kind of disagreement about how to go about doing this as well. And so even though they saw inspiration in, say, like the successful American Revolution or the French Enlightenment period with the French Revolution, they never got the, the widespread support that, the other or, that those uh, larger revolutions did. And so they largely were, were a failure in terms of their long-term goals. Now, the, even though they were a failure themselves, they did manage to have kind of an outsized influence as the first modern terrorist group, although there's a lot of other groups that looked at them, especially around the world in this anarchist period, and saw them as inspiration. Uh, and we actually see a handful of former members of this organization, especially as they start to be released from jail. These are the ones who were not part of the assassination team, but were members. They actually form what's called the Socialist Revolutionary Party, of which Viktor Chernov, if you haven't heard of him, uh, he, was, he was a member of this particular party. And so we see some political parties and other groups crop up out of them in addition. But the group itself was ultimately uh, wiped out. And I said all the members of the, the violent assassination team were killed. And so unlike my book, if you have a chance to read it, they did die out entirely in real life. And with the ultimate destruction of this group, I think we've reached a good spot to go ahead and close out the episode. So, if that piqued your interest at all, you're interested in Narodnaya Volya, I'd encourage you to do your own research. And also, please check out my book. I realize this is kind of a shameless plug, but the Narodnaya Volya, I think, are a fascinating group. And they do play a role, again, without giving away too much, they do play a role in Splintered State. 
Again, out on Amazon. You can find it in paperback and in Kindle. Splintered State by J. Robert Kinney. Now, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Justin R underscore Kinney. Please follow me there. I'd be happy to continue the conversation with you about this or any other topic. You can also reach out to me and tell me if there's certain topics you would like me to cover. You can also find me on Facebook at J. Robert Kinney. As I said, that's the name I write fiction novels under. So you can find me, follow me there for any sort of book-related news. Also, if you're interested in supporting me, supporting this podcast, or advertising on the podcast please go ahead and contact me. I would be happy to talk with you more about that possibility. Or you can check out my Patreon account, which is online as well. But with that, we're going to go ahead and shut things down. So this is Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kinney, and I am out in three, two, one.